Well, good morning again. If you missed the offering, I'm still Rob, and I'm glad you're here today. I'm glad you chose to be with the Restoration community today, not just because we're in a series about choices, but because actually the things that we choose determine who we are today. The choices we made yesterday impact our life today and change the direction of our life for tomorrow. So the good news is if you've made some bad choices, guess what? You can make new choices and the direction of your life can go in a different way. In fact, we've been talking about um, part of the reason that I love fall is that fall seems like a new time, a new choice, a new place in our lives, especially if you're a student, uh, then you get to start a new school year, and you can maybe have some new friends, or for me, it was like, oh, maybe I could get a new hairstyle, or actually just a hairstyle, but another story for another day. But we've been talking about choosing purpose over popularity, choosing uh, what is important over what is urgent, choosing growth over gloss, like taking a step of growth. We talked last week about joining a small group, if you're a student, joining a student group, uh, trying the disciple group experience, serving in a church community um, team in some way. And I believe these decisions, these choices actually do impact our life, change the course of our life, and none could be more true than the choice we're going to talk about today. But before we do that, I need you to think of a time, like just a moment where you missed it, like you missed it. So as I was thinking about this this week, it was a couple years ago when I took my kids to Wild Mountain Water Park or Wild Mountain Adventure Park. It's up by Taylor's Falls. They have this, I mean, just amazing water slides, a relaxing, lazy river. They have these sheer, far too fast alpine slides, and then the very competitive go-karts. And I did this when I was an intern. So uh, as in youth ministry, then as a youth pastor, I did this, and so now I was going to be like champion dad. Okay, we're going to Wild Mountain Water Park, kids. I built it up all summer, and they were like, whoa, and it's built on the side of a, a mountain, a hill. And of course, we get over to the go-karts, and when we get to the go-karts, you don't just understand. Go-karts are not just something you do. I mean, we know they all have governors on them, so they all go about the same speed, but there's always one or maybe two, one or two where those are just a little faster. So as we're standing in line, we're not goofing off. We're actually looking at which cars are the fastest, color and number, because, you know, there are different ones. And then, i got to sit down, I'm going to get too excited. And then when, when you get closer, then you see how many cars are available, like 16, and then how many people are in line. And so then you start to figure out, it's like NFL draft time for fantasy football. So I know, I'm just crazy in that. So we were counting, and like, okay, there's going to be one person in front of us, and then we get to go. And all of my children were old enough where they could drive their own car. So what meant? I got my own car too. So I let them pick theirs first, and my oldest got her car. She got a fast car. And then my other kids got okay cars, and then I got a little shafted, but I got a pretty good pole position, so that by the time that we got around the first lap, I was in second, and my oldest daughter was in first. 
And this is good for my oldest daughter because she likes to be first. And there's one straight away. And this little car, just as try as it could, it could not get in front of her car. And I thought, I've been driving for many years, and she hasn't been driving. It didn't matter. She, I mean, I don't know where she learned to drive, but she could take those corners like this car was on rails-ish. And she would take the inside corner, so I'd kind of come around the side. And by the time she cut in, she'd be whiplashed in front of me. So then I'd try to take the inside, and she'd cut in on me. So there's only 12 laps in this thing, and about the fourth lap, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, there's an opening. She left just enough on the inside. And you'd have to watch the official replay, okay? I just need to let, need to wait, see where my wife is. I just need to let everyone know that. You'd have to watch the official replay. But my car was approximately halfway up and she turned in. And I knew she was going to turn in. And in that moment, I said, I want to win. And I cut the other way, and she spun into the tires. And I couldn't get out to help her because they say, do not get out of your vehicle. Okay, so I could not be the one to help her. And I spun around her, and by the time I looked on the straightaway, about a third of the way around, she was now in last place. And I went on to victory except it didn't feel like victory. I felt like I was disqualified, not only as a driver, but as a dad. And still, there's still some regret there because, because she's my oldest. She doesn't let me live it down. <laughs> but there's a scripture that talks about being qualified or disqualified. And it's a great place for us to start as we look at this decision of choosing discipline over regret. It comes from 1 Corinthians 9. We're going to start in this uh, potentially familiar passage too, if not, not a problem. And then we're going to go on to one that might be a little unfamiliar, but it just flows in the text. And uh, I believe that God will lead us through. So 1 Corinthians 9, starting in verse 24. Do you not know that in a race... Everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training, and they do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I don't fight an imaginary opponent. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I feel that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness from long ago. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them. All of them walked through the sea on dry ground, in the cloud and in the sea. All of them were baptized as followers of Moses. All of them ate from the same spiritual food, and all of them drank from the same spiritual water. For they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them, and that rock was Christ. Yet God was not pleased with most of them, and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. These things happened as a warning to us, so that we would not crave the evil things as they did. As the scriptures say, the people celebrated with feasting and drinking, and they indulged in pagan revelry. And we must not engage in sexual immorality as some of them did, causing 23,000 of them to die in one day. Nor should we put Christ to the test, as some of them did, and died from snake bites. And don't grumble, as some of them did, and were destroyed by an angel of death. 
These things happen to us, or these things happen to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation in your life. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. And when you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. This is God's word and it's still good. Now, as a runner and an athlete, sort of an athlete, I've always, always liked those first few verses because they talk about discipline and they talk about training. And I like that stuff. But then the writer shifts to these ancient stories about snake bites and food and drink and rocks that move, and I've never quite understood that, at least until this week as I studied this. And so we're going to look at the stories, the connection to discipline, and then the choice for us. So first, the stories. The writer starts with these stories that most of them can understand because, remember, this is a letter. This First Corinthians was a letter to a people in a certain place in a certain time in this place of Corinth in Greece. And Corinth was home to the Isthmian Games. It was second only in popularity to the Olympics. They had lots of events, and they knew how to party. They knew how to compete, and they knew how to party. They had hundreds and hundreds of pagan temples. They had feasts regularly, like they could make the Vegas Strip and Bourbon Street of Mardi Gras like just seem like you know children's times, I've been told. So Paul is saying to them in the context of this running, I've learned to be whoever I need to be and do whatever I need to do to help other people see and understand who Jesus is. I'll do basically anything short of sinning to help others know Jesus. And I think they get that. I think they get that because they know about discipline. They've watched these athletes. And I think in our culture, it translates pretty easily. We have a very competitive, sports-saturated culture that we live in that people like to win. If you're not sure, drive on 494 on Fridays between the hours of 2 and 7. We like to win. Now, if you're taking notes, I would define discipline in this way. You can define it a lot of ways, but this is a way that's super easy for me to remember. Discipline is choosing what I want most over choosing what I want in the moment. Discipline's choosing what I want most over choosing what I want in the moment. So discipline matters in racing and training because imagine seeing you know, uh, Michael Phelps uh, on an interview as he talks about sleeping in, eating donuts, and never needing a coach. Okay, we just, it wouldn't happen. These, these athletes inspire us because of what they accomplish by their dedication and their hard work. Even people that don't get the gold medal, are, we are inspired by these stories of dedication. We need discipline in our life if we want a chance to win the prize. That's what Paul is saying. But then he shifts to these stories of provision that we don't quite understand. He talks about God's people in ancient times. It's in the story of Exodus of God's presence guiding them by a cloud. Then he talks about all of them safely walking through the Red Sea when God's spirit parts the waters and they go through and the Egyptian army has the water crash down on them. Then he goes through these other stories of 
Like, as you went through these experiences, you were inducted into the people of God as followers of Moses. There's a baptism, if you will. And then it talks about receiving spiritual water and spiritual drink. It's Exodus 16 and 17. And then it talks about them being in a desert, not having any food, not having any water. And when God provides it, he does so so they won't die. But then the story shifts and says, except all of them did die, or most of them died. They were scattered in the wilderness. And he says, these are examples for you. And I think they're still examples for us. He gives five examples that basically boil down to three categories. One, uh, be careful what you worship. Two, guard your body. And three, be cautious in your complaining. He talks about uh, when they complained against God and they got snake bites. And if they didn't repent, they were going to die. If they didn't ask God for forgiveness. They talked about when God's people, when he said, don't go marry people from other countries because those other countries are worshiping other gods and you don't even know what I'm like yet. So don't go do that. Don't just don't go have a, a free weekend and co-mingle together if you get my PG, you know, talk about that. So otherwise you're going to die. Uh, we'll stop there. And then the people complained against God and actually God brought skin diseases on a few of them. It's it's crazy, it's crazy stories that many of us don't understand. They're all in Exodus number and Numbers. However, the point is, he brings up the stories because the Bible isn't just a book of stories. The Bible's our story. We have moments where we want to complain against God. We have moments where we want to go have a free weekend and just, oh, I'm going to choose that in the moment activity over what I want most. We have moments where we don't trust that God is going to provide for our needs and we're going to die if we don't provide for our own needs. Those aren't just stories. There are stories. So what's the connection? Well, the athlete, the idol worshiper in Corinth or the athlete that he's talking about and even us today have to choose now something that they want most in order to achieve what they want most. They have to choose what they want most over what they want in the moment. C.S. Lewis said it this way. A man who gives in to temptation after five minutes simply does not know what it would have been like an hour later. Now, here's how I think it connects to our lives. Jesus said this to his followers. In your life, you're going to experience pain. Matthew, John 16. Isn't this a great talk? We're going to experience pain. In your life, you're going to experience trouble. Come to restoration. We're going to encourage you about how you're going to experience pain. But take heart. I have overcome the world. That's what Jesus says. Hey, you're going to have trouble in this life, but if you choose me, you're going to have peace. See, sometimes we have pain in our life that we can't explain. We've had a lot of pain in our life globally. Hurricane after hurricane after hurricane. We can't explain that. Those things, we couldn't do anything about that. Those things happened. We have freak accidents. Or there's a random birth defect. These are not things that we did. They're just things that happen. Some of our times, we can't choose our pain. But there are times in our life where we can choose our pain. Like, for example, if you're a student and you have homework, 
You can choose the pain of homework. You can. Or you can choose the pain of the consequences of not doing homework. Namely, you get a zero on the paper, you don't understand the material, you potentially fail the class and have to take it over. You choose the pain. Or, you know, if you're a teenager, sorry teenagers, I'm going to hit you twice today, you can choose the pain of obeying your parents, you know, now, or you can choose the pain of having them find out later, because somehow they always find out. Yeah, I know. Or you can choose the pain of spending less than you make, or you can choose the pain of having a boatload of debt to try and pay off later. You can choose your pain. You can choose the pain of eating healthy now or choose the consequences of having to try and get healthy later. See, we all experience pain. It's just sometimes, sometimes a matter of choice. Do I want to choose the pain of discipline or the pain of regret? See, in 2 Timothy we don't do this alone. God's, God tells us the spirit God gave us in 2 Timothy. God does not make us timid, but he gives us a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. See, discipline is choosing what I want most over what I want in the moment. And 1 Corinthians 13 says, hey, these things are examples for us because all the temptations we face are no different than what other people have experienced in life. But God is faithful. Sometimes, some of you need to hear that today. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can, can stand for. And when you're tempted, he'll show you a way out so that you can endure. So we, we choose discipline, same word for discipline, excuse me, as for disciple. So when we're choosing discipline, we're choosing to be a disciple of Jesus. Same word. We're disciplined disciples of Jesus. Say that three times fast. And there's this connection between the athlete and the idol worshiper because the athlete can choose what they want most and the idol worshiper just chooses what they want in the moment. And if you're a runner, if you're an athlete, you, get, you, win, you go to a basketball game and you win the tournament, what do you get? Right? What kind of trophy? A big gold plastic one, Right? Yeah, it's, and, then, and then your little brother breaks it, and you're like, that's the only trophy I've ever won. And it cracks open, and it's got this white, like, super fake melted plastic inside it. And you're like, it's not even real gold. Welcome to disappointment in life. We all experience pain. Pastor told us that this week. <laughs> even if you win at the state fair, you get a nice blue ribbon. If you're the best of the best, you get a gold medal. If we run for Christ, if we compete for Christ, we get an eternal prize, it says. It doesn't fade away. So are you running to win? I'm not trying, I'm not trying to lift up competition over everything today. What I'm trying to say is when we choose what we want most over what we want in the moment, there's purpose behind what we do. There, so in order for us to do this, because we don't do it for human praise, we do it to the one who gives us life and makes us praise so we have to ask ourselves some questions. Number one, what do we want most? If you want to choose what you want most over what you want in the moment, then you have to ask yourself, well, what do I want most? Now, be honest. Don't be like, I want to win the lottery. I want a beach house in Malibu. Like, you probably can't afford Maybe you can, but it's, it's probably not worth it. But what do you want most? Do you want to put Christ in the center of your life? Do you want to involve God in what you do? Do you want to get healthy, lose weight, see your kids graduate, or your grandkids have grandkids? 
Do you want to get out of debt? You want to pay off the credit cards and the house and the cars and the student loans? If you're married, do you want, to, you want a marriage that is filled with conversation and companionship? Or do you just want to coexist? What do you want most? Don't, don't use the word need to or should. Well, I should want to lose weight. No, your list is going to get way too long if you put shoulds on there. Don't should on it, okay? What do you want most? Just seeing if you're awake. Now, the second question is, what do you need to choose? This is where need to comes in. What do you need to choose this moment to achieve what you want most? What do you need to choose now to achieve what you want most? See, not a super godly example, but imagine you want a beautiful yard of green grass. Okay, just go with me on this. You want a beautiful yard of green grass. That's what you want most. And when you walk out your house, you're like, yes, I love my green grass. Except you have to get the mail. And to get the mail, you have to go down your sidewalk just a little bit, out your front door, the opposite way down your driveway to then hit the sidewalk so you don't walk on your grass to get the mail. It's a little inconvenient, and you're going the other way. And so you walk out of your house one day, and you say, oh my gosh, I really want this green gas. But the shortest distance from my front door to the mailbox is through the yard. So I'm going to walk through the yard. And you walk through the yard, and when you walk through the yard, you look, and you go, nothing happened. That was kind of fun. It was faster. It was easier. Felt like a little bit of a renegade walking through my green grass. So you wake up the next day. I got a snort out of that one. You wake up the next day, and you do it again. You're like, oh, it was only one time. It's not going to hurt anything. And you walk through the grass, and guess what? It didn't hurt anything. It was easier. So you keep choosing in this moment. And my psychologists and counselor friends will tell me that you don't just start wearing a dirt path in your grass, you actually start wearing a neural pathway in your mind that this is how I do this. This is how people become addicted to lots of different things. And the path gets changed, and now all of a sudden, there's a stupid dirt path on my green grass because I really didn't choose what I wanted most. I chose what I wanted in the moment. See, this is how this works. And what happens is then we regret. We have this pain of regret. And I hope you know I'm not talking about green grass. I'm talking about skidding your kid out. Because in the moment you wanted to win, not be a great dad. I'm talking about Getting healthy. Not so you can say, look, look at me, look, and end up on an infomercial at 1230 at night. I'm talking about being able to lift your kids up or lift your nieces and nephews up. I'm talking about being able to pass on a legacy to your kids of healthiness or a legacy of godliness because you're saying, I'm going to choose, I'm going to choose to follow God. I'm going to make him the center of my life. I'm going to choose to get out of debt so I actually have something worthwhile to pass on because God's kingdom sometimes needs money to support it. And I want to do that. That's what I'm talking about. That's why you say, what do I need to choose this moment in order to achieve what I want most? So if you're saying, I want to put God in the center of my life, then what you need to do, well, unless you're going to carry around your Bible all day, uh, you, and, and you have one of those fancy phones, you know, that, that can do anything on, in, in the world, then you know what you do? 
You download a Bible app. It's really easy. It's called Bible. Or it's called Uversion, and you can do a lot of them. But why I like Uversion is lots of people use it. It's super easy to use. It's completely free. And once you download it, then you can get a Bible reading app or a Bible reading program. So for a few minutes a day, you click on it, you read the verses. Then for a few more minutes, I would encourage you to think about those verses and say, God, how are you reading me as I read these verses? And then maybe spend another minute writing something down on a note or writing something down in your mind and think about that. Take that with you as you go throughout your day. You will start to choose God not only in the moments, but most. That's how this works. You say you want to get healthy, then what do I need to choose now? Well, you probably need to stop, not trying to be mean, you probably need to stop drinking three Diet Cokes a day. But maybe it's just a matter of 15 or 30 minutes of walking during lunch. I'm not trying to meddle. I'm just saying, choose most. What do I need to choose now to get what I want most? That might be how it works. Or if you're in debt, what do I need to do? You might need to ask someone to approve purchases. Hey, when I'm thinking about getting something, can I call you? Can I run this by you? Or, or will you buy it for me and hold it for 30 days and, and then tell me if I still need it and if I don't, return it? You could talk to one of our financial peace teachers that has taught, well, I don't know, I don't want to go through, like, I heard those are like $100. Well, the pain of not going through it is going to be way worse or way easier than the pain of sitting in this boatload of debt. Maybe you're like, I want a boat. I want a boat. I want to be able to run, drive around on my boat. I want to be able to take people, I'll use it as a ministry tool. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've used that. I mean, I've heard that before. <laughs> I've only used it once. Well, what do you want most? Do you want the boat most? Then get the boat if, if you can afford it and, and you can do what you need to do. But if what you want most is to be free of financial obligation, if what you want most is to be able to say yes to the Boy Scout that comes to your door or the kid who wants to go on the mission trip, then, then don't get the boat. But put up that thing that you want most. Here's, here's the deal. I mean, we can choose what we want most. We can choose what we need to do now in order to get what we want most. But bottom line, what is your source of strength? That's the third question. What is your source of strength? I mean, I love to talk about discipline because there are many times in my life that I love to train and I love to run and I love to win. But there are also a lot of times, if I'm truly honest, that I want to sleep in, and I want to eat donuts every morning, especially my mom's donuts. They're so good. And I want to eat ice cream every night. I know it doesn't look like it, but truly, if I truly wanted to, I would sleep in every morning, I would eat donuts every night, every morning, and I would drink, eat ice cream. I'd probably drink my ice cream too. <laughs> I just would. I can't do this in my own strength. If you want to achieve these things to be successful, then either you're going to be arrogant and successful or you're going to be despondent and and crushed because we can't do it in our own strength. But Jesus never said we needed to. The point of the cross is that pain and suffering actually produces transformation in our life. 
When we choose Jesus, we are not choosing discipline just for the sake of discipline. We're choosing discipline because we're a disciple. We're a follower of the one who gives us life, who died to give his life. This is how we're transformed. Jesus says, whoever wants to be my follower must take up their cross, deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. That's how we're changed. You can choose what you want now over what, and, and then get what you want most, but if you don't have Jesus as your source of strength, it won't matter. The reason that, that Paul writes, hey, they drank from the same spiritual water. They ate the same spiritual food. They saw the cloud. They didn't see the cloud as Christ, God with them. That's what Jesus' name means, right? Yep, can I? We're almost there, right? They didn't see Jesus as God with them. So when they had the food, that was God with them. When the rock poured out water, they didn't see, oh my gosh, that's God with us. That's a source of strength. When they went into the wilderness, when they saw these points in the desert, when they didn't trust in those moments, that's why they were scattered because they didn't see God with them was life. The Corinthians that are talking about discipline, the reason that Paul says this is because their story is Their story, the Corinthians, was the story in the wilderness, and it's our story today. These all connect. These all connect. Where is your source of strength? Do you see conversations that you have as potentially God with you? Do you see these moments when we're singing verses as God with you? Do you see the moment where somebody pauses and asks you to think about what you do want most as God with you? Because in your own, I don't know if you can do it. I know I can't. I know I need discipline in my life because I need donuts. I know I need accountability in my life because I need people to ask me accountable questions. I know I need discipline. I know I need to tell myself, affirmations that I am a son of the king of kings. I am a guy who loves people and remembers and uses their name. I know I go through my list of affirmations because otherwise, after a while, I tell myself unhealthy and unhelpful things. And I have to just name that. That my self-talk can sometimes go down the gutter. But in with Christ with me, I can choose what I want most over what I want in the moment. What? is your source of strength. Will you pray with me? God, I pray that we would just take a moment and not only write down what we need to, what we want most, God, but we would also write down where our source of strength comes from. God, we know that, that you in us is stronger than the desires in us, especially the wrong desires in us. God, I know that without you, I would choose lazy. I would choose sloppy. I would choose selfish. But with you as my source of strength, I can choose what you want most. I pray for those that are struggling today, those that want to confess God, we confess to you for forgiveness. But God, I pray that we would confess to each other that we could find healing. That's what James says. He says, confess to one another that your sins may be healed. God, we want to be healed today. We need you as our source of strength to heal us. When those people in the wilderness, when they saw you as their healer, when they came to you and confessed before they were even accused, when they came to you, they were healed. God, when we come to you, we are healed. We want to be healed today. 
We want to choose discipline because we're your disciples, not because we want to be looked at as disciplined individuals. We want to choose the right thing in the moment to get what we want most, but God, you're what we want most. So I I just confess, God, for those moments where we miss it. And I confess, or I ask, God, that you would speak to us about where we're at, about what we're choosing. with us. God, you can heal us, you can guide us, you can bring us to freedom, to life, to eternity. Speak to us, Holy Spirit.